Hello, I'm Dave, and shortly I'll be joined by my co-host Ash. Please be advised that the On the Pitch podcast does contain profanity. If you're offended by profanity, then you should probably find some other podcast to listen to. However, if the profanity does not bother you, please practice proper parental discretion. Greetings and salutations and welcome to the On The Pitch podcast with Dave and Ash. Hello, Ash. How are you? Well, people might have thought we were dead because we haven't recorded in a while, but no, we're still alive and I'm pretty good. We're still here, everybody. We're still here. And what a way to help you get through the international break with a brand new episode of On The Pitch. Just with you, what you all needed to get through the torrid international break. So yeah, today we're going to look at the early season form of the 20 Premier League clubs and how they've done in the league and a couple of surprises that have thrown up and you know, players that have done well potentially for clubs and those clubs that are struggling when we didn't really think they would be. So we'll start, we're going to start from 20th to first. So Sheffield United at the bottom, Dave. This one. Fuck, man. This one. I didn't see this coming. I... Thought maybe they would struggle a little bit. But the fact that they are sitting dead last in the Premier League is surprising. I mean, is their it, best result is a one-all draw against Fulham. It's the only point they've taken all season. But we saw the way they started after the lockdown at the end of last season. The only game they won was the 3-0 victory against Chelsea. But since then, they've not won a game. That's their last win in the Premier League. They were also robbed last season. They would have had at least another draw if they were not robbed against Villa last season. Well, the referees uh, having a brain fart, if you even want to call it that. I'm being kind. Well, that result uh, kept Aston Villa in the Premier League. Yeah, they should have been relegated. So uh, Sheffield United, between the, uh, things they can't control and then their, their actual form, things have been quite insipid for Sheffield United lately. What do you think it's down to? Because it's the same squad they had last season. It's the same manager. Obviously, they brought in Rian Brewster and Ethan Ampadu as well. So what do you think it's all down to? It's all down to just relying too much on maybe McGoldrick to get the goals. Because where else, if McGoldrick doesn't score and he's their leading scorer, where the fuck are the goals coming from? Because I can't see anybody in that side scoring goals consistently. And it seems like it's all like McGoldrick at the moment. You can't rely on one guy, especially when you're a club with no disrespect to Sheffield United supporters or the club. But when you're a club of that ilk, like if you don't have other players in that side that are going to score goals, it's going to be a pretty tough time having to rely on one player to get the goals. I, I, where are the goals coming from if it's not from McGoldrick? For me, it's they don't have anybody in that side that is capable of consistently scoring goals. Well, they spent um, £20 million on Rian Brewster, who hasn't so far lived up to anything. I don't think he's actually scored yet. No, I don't think he has, actually. So, and I mean, again, where are the goals coming from? You pay all that money, and he's doing what exactly? How do, I, I'm shocked that Liverpool even got £20 million for him. But, you know, at the end of the day, they did the same thing with Solanke. sold him for a similar amount. Mm-hmm. And, you know... You've got to be careful with this sort of thing because it's obviously a top club like Liverpool, they can 
they can charge a bit extra for their lesser players because they know they don't need them. And obviously, smaller clubs are desperate for better players. But for £20 million, you bought a striker that you expect him to at least have an impact, and he hasn't so far. I mean, eight games in, they're still 30 to play for Sheffield United. They can still pick up, well, mathematically, they can pick up 90 points. They're not going to, let's be honest, but they can still pick up 90 points. So I don't think this is the end of the road for them, but they've got to change something quickly because before the Chelsea game, they hadn't conceded more than two goals in a game all season. So they're not dreadful at defending, but they just don't score enough goals. And I think that's what cost them because they can lose one or two nil and just not score enough goals. I mean, They've scored four and let in 14. So that kind of says everything. That that would explain a lot of those tepid performances on their behalf. They don't in the midfield too, you don't see much you don't see much movement or creativity in that midfield either going forward. They've, I think they've been worked out with their three centre back system. I yep. think it's been worked out because since lockdown they've not been great. And you know, if they don't change things quickly, they could find themselves in a relegation battle. I think they are going. I think it's going to come down to them being at the bottom of the table at this point, scrapping for survival. Well, they need. I think for them though, they have to win the games against teams around them. But they drew one all to Fulham. I mean, no disrespect to Fulham, but I think they're the weakest side in the league on paper. <laughs> Fulham are always the weakest side in the league every time they get fucking promoted. But yeah, obviously we talk about their best result being a draw against Fulham. The result against Chelsea kind of just compounded it for them, didn't it? I mean. And now the last, and they had the lead in that game, and then obviously we took Chelsea turned it around, put four past them, mm-hmm. and made it made it look incredibly easy. I will be curious to see where this ends up for Sheffield United because that they needs- did so well last year. Then the decline in performance after the restart, and now just at the bottom find- of the barrel. After the international break, they need to find a couple of wins just to get themselves some points and climb the table a little bit because the longer you go that will win, the harder it becomes. And the more likely your fate is sealed early on in the season. We've seen this, we've seen this story before with other clubs. Once you're down there, it's incredibly difficult to get out of it. Yep. Because morale's gone, performance isn't happening. If you're not scoring goals, you're going to struggle to win games, especially if you do concede them. It's also imperative in a season like this where it's an aberration and you're compounded by, the, by fixtures and just the timing and scheduling of everything. This would be the year where it would be very difficult to try to climb your way up. It just compounds the level of difficulty because of the circumstances and what they are at this point. Yeah, um, so that's Sheffield United at the bottom of the table at the moment. Um, moving on to Burnley, and this has been a real surprise for me. This really has been a surprise for me. Again, another side that haven't won a game this season. Um, they have drawn two, so they've got two draws, but drawing nil-nil with Burnley is as one of them as their best result. It's not good enough. It's not. I mean, the, the, their worst result have both been... 3-0 defeats, one 3-0 one defeat to Manchester City and then a 3-0 defeat to Chelsea. So, But you think of Burnley at home, you think that very rarely happens. Okay, I know Chelsea and Man City are two of the best sides in the country, but Burnley normally make it tough for anybody that goes there. It and is. You're right. Turf Moor has been somewhat of a fortress over the last couple of seasons, and now what what's going on? 
they're also not scoring goals. I mean, they've scored they've scored the fewest goals in the Premier League this season. They've scored three in seven games. They have a game in hand, of course. And their top scorer has only scored two goals to this point in the season. That's across all competitions as well. So Burnley, I thought, you know, there's always a compact side. They'll they're physical. They'll knock you off the ball. You know, they're a very rigid four four two with Barnes and Wood up front. Then you've got me and Tarkovsky at the back and Pope in goal, but Mm-hmm. something's not quite clicking for them at the minute because to lose home games the way they're losing them, it's not good. No, they're in more trouble too because I think Tarkovsky was offered a contract and he has declined to sign that. So things are bad and it looks like they're probably going to get worse. Yeah, I mean, they're just... I think Burnley could pull themselves out of it. They've got the squad and the manager to do it, but... It's the same with Sheffield United. You need to start picking up a couple of wins at early on to get yourself out of it because the longer it does, we just said, if you're not winning games and the longer it goes on, the worse the morale gets. Can we say then it's similar to Sheffield United where they just don't have goal scorers? Or is there too much reliance on a certain player to bang in these goals for Burnley? Normally with Burnley, you get goals from Wood and Barnes. You know, they play with the big two up front and usually it works for them. They'll pick up some good results ahead of a season, but Maybe it's just because of the fixture congestion and maybe having a smaller squad. They have they can't quite get the results they need at the moment. I mean, they've lost five out of seven. They've got a game in hand. Um, so if they win that, they'll be up to five points, but you can't see them winning at the moment. We'll, we'll see where um, Burnley go from here. We can move on to 18th position where we have Wes Bromwich Albion sitting on three points have not won a match yet. They've drawn three and lost five. Uh, West Brom, I think, they've actually played some okay football so far this season. But again, obviously they were 3-0 up against Chelsea and they let that slip. But that's arguably their best result of the season so far. Um, Obviously, you know, 3-0 up and then Chelsea with the quality they have just broke them down and scored three goals. But on another day, they don't get put in that position. So... But they've lost five, drawn three, no wins. Uh, goal difference of minus 11. So they're also one that is shipping more goals than they're scoring. I mean, to be fair to West Brom, they have scored six goals, but they've conceded 17. And that's I mean, the joint worst in the Premier League. You got to kind of prevent conceding goals to win. I mean, their worst that's... result was, was away at Everton. Everton beats them 5-2 in... A goal fest, he gets seven goals in a game. I mean, for the neutral, that's that's great. For a West Brom supporter, I imagine that's painful. And well, we've seen from the start of the season that goals have been flying in here, there, and everywhere. But there comes a time when you just have to go back to basics and stop conceding goals. Because goal difference could easily send you down in this league if you're level on points. And to be on minus 11 at this stage in the season already, you know, that, that is the worst in the league at the moment. I mean, West Brom have dangerous attacking players. They've got that. That shows with the goals they've scored, but they don't look convincing at the back at all. No. Could this be um, similar to Norwich last season where they get promoted and they're just like, they've thrown caution to the wind. They're like, fuck it. We're just going to play open football and whatever happens, happens. We're going to attack. We're going to try to play the way we played in the championship. And then it doesn't quite equate to success in the Premier League. Or is I that, are we looking at a similar case? No, I just think they, I just 
Norwich chose to play that way. I, don't, I think West Brom just don't have the defensive capabilities to do that. I know they've got Ivanovic in on loan, but uh, or signed him, but I'm not sure if he's even played for them or the situation with that because I've not really watched, watched West Brom this season. But you have to think at some point that he has to go back to basics and just maybe play for a 1-0 win just to get a point on the board. But what do you say about Norwich? I think Norwich are a better side than West Brom. They've got better players. Mm-hmm. They just chose to play expansively rather than... And fair play to Norwich. They tried it. It didn't work, but they stuck to what they believe in. And I think that they're a better team than West Brom. And I think for West Brom, they have, they're not great defensively. And that's what I think the difference is. They just they haven't got good defenders. Well, I mean, they do like, they do, they do. When they go, when they, when they play, they seem to go forward with reckless abandon. I've watched a little bit. And that's, that's why I asked that question, because I kind of get that vibe. I understand they don't have defenders. And if, if somebody's, if Norwich was a better team, then how come Norwich isn't promoted? How, how come Norwich went down? Well, I meant Norwich are a better side than West, better side than West Brom. That's where I'm like, how can they be a better side when West Brom's playing in the Premier League and Norwich because is West Brom, there? Because West Brom were playing in the Championship last season. Oh, good point. I, I, a, I don't know. It's a I massive think... step up. West Brom is... Honestly, I, I don't see them getting out of the bottom of the table. I think they're going to hover in that part of the table for majority of the season. Because if they can't defend, I'm pretty sure eventually they will not make it and be uh, relegated back down to the championship. I think the uh, thing you have to think about when a team comes up from the championship, they have to defend first and foremost. You you think about sides at the top of the championship, they normally have a lot of possession in the championship. They normally score a lot of goals. But in the Premier League, it's not like that because you're playing against teams that are much, much better. And there is quite a gap between the championship and the Premier League. Maybe the odd side, like your Wolverhampton or Leeds, who are doing quite well, we'll get to them. But those sort of sides, when they've got money behind them and financial backing, it's a little bit easier because mm-hmm. they can get players in. But when you get those other teams that come up, like your West Broms, Fulhams, and teams like that, you have to learn, you have to get defending right from week one. Otherwise, you're in a shit show. Speaking of shit shows, we can move to Fulham. We're sitting in 17th with one win, a draw, six losses, four points. Their goal differential is minus eight. And Another side that... Well, I had full, when we did our prediction podcast, I had Fulham to finish dead bottom, and I still believe that's possible because their only win has come against West Brom, another promoted side, but, you know, like I said about the other two, picking up points where you can. Um, they could have got a point against West Ham if Lookman didn't try to Penenka the penalty. I mean... That, I think they're another club with too much reliance on a player. And I'm talking about them and Mitrovic, Mitrovic. who's their leading scorer, and he's only scored three goals. He's Mitrovic not a Premier League. been the reason why they played well in the championship when they got promoted the last time around. There was dependence on him to bang in the goals, and they spent a, they spent quite a few uh, dollars, pounds, whatever you want to call it, on bringing in talent and still fucked around and got relegated. Well, they spent $100 million two seasons ago when they come up. Um, mm-hmm. They haven't spent half as much as that. They've, spent, well, they've got Ariola in goal, who was in the France World Cup squad when they won the World Cup. But it's okay putting a good goalkeeper in, but you have no defensive protection, then there's no point. There's none. Fulham can't. Fulham, it's the same old Fulham as far as I'm concerned. 
they they do this dance where they they look great in the championship, they get promoted, they get to the Premier League, and they look like shit. Yeah, because they haven't got Premier League quality players. Yeah, until they figure that out, I mean, this will be the same shit show. But it's not just about that. If you haven't got Premier League quality players, let's be honest, Leicester, the players Leicester had in that title one inside, they weren't well beaters, they just were well drilled. They were well drilled and believed in the philosophy that Ranieri set them. Yep. I mean, Jamie Vardy now, fair enough, Jamie Vardy and Kante, Mares, are probably the three in that side that are world class. Oh, yeah, I mean, one of them is a World Cup winner. Yeah, exactly, but... And they've all won a title. All three of them have a title or two. Mm-hmm. Um, but you look at the rest of that squad. There wasn't crazy talent. It wasn't crazy, crazy world-class talent. It was just about being well-drilled and the effort they put in. And that's, that's doable for any side. Okay, yes, you can get undone by brilliance, but don't make the mistakes yourself. Don't put yourself in a position to screw yourselves over. Like with the Fulham penalty. It's a 98th minute. You're 1-0 down. Just put it in the bottom corner. Don't try and be clever with it. And that point could be the difference. Or sorry, that not getting a point could be the difference between them staying up and getting relegated. And that's how this league works on fine margins. And if they, if they finish seven, 18th this season and finish one point behind 17th, look how stupid Lookman's going to look. Oh, Fulham. Fulham are a mess. Mitrovic is not good enough for the Premier League. He's a championship-level player. I concur. Uh, moving on to a side that I thought might have done a little bit better uh, in 16th is Brighton. Now, I know they were robbed against Man United in the whole final whistle and then giving them a penalty thing. That oh, was... Mm-hmm. We're not going to get into that, but one win from eight games, three draws, puts them on six points. Um... What do you think Brighton could do? Obviously, they've got a, they play a nice style of football. They want to attack. They've got a good manager. Some quality, obviously, in Terry Lamptey, who's very highly rated at the moment. Just Would you expect more from them after eight games? Yeah, I would have expected a little bit more. The fact that they're in 16th is surprising. I would expect them more because Graham Potter has had that side for a couple of seasons now. And I just by now, I just think they would have been playing better Better football. It's, I'm su- surprised that they are where they are. And with only that one win, I guess it surprises me the most. And they have we have seen them in the past give bigger clubs fits and have been able to to grind results out. But it, they just seem different this season. And this is surprising because I think both of us had them when we did our prediction pod. I think both of us had them higher in the table than where they currently sit. I think I had them around 14th or 15th, I think. But Fuck, obviously, I don't no... remember where I put them, but I know it was higher than 16th. I mean, again, they've the best result was beating Newcastle 3-0 and then they lost 4-2 to Everton. So, that's their worst result of the season. Obviously, they conceded 3 against Chelsea, 3 against Man United, which you don't judge too harshly because they're top sides. But you just have to think that there has to be a time because Brighton has scored 11 goals this season. So they're scoring goals, but they're also letting 14. So it's a matter of, yes, they can score, but can they shut up shop at the other end? Because they could easily go and beat someone 3-4-0 on their day. And the Premier League is not one of those leagues where you can just, if you're a smaller side, air quotes, it's not, this is not the league where you want to try to go toe-to-toe with the big boys because you're not going to get anywhere. At some point, you got to just defend, like you said. 
thing is but, the basic thing is if you don't concede, you can't lose. Yeah. Of course, you know, there are there's aberrations that occur, like, I don't know, referees being stupid, which there's a lot of that this season, but I digress. Um uh, so yeah, Brighton, I think, could have done a little bit better. So Brighton could have done better. Do you see them getting out of 16? Could you think they can do you think they can finish where you had them or in that vicinity? I think they'll finish mid-table between 16th and 12th, somewhere around there. I don't think they'll get relegated. They've got good players. Um, So, yeah, I can't see them getting relegated, but I can't see them making past 10th. I think that's fair. Um, Up to a side that I think have done reasonably well since being promoted in 15th, which is Leeds. And nobody cares about them, but we are contractually (laughs) obligated to speak about them because they're in the Premier League. 10 points from 24, three wins, one draw, and four losses. Um, of course, their best result of the season was probably beating Villa away from home, which I don't think anyone saw coming. And then they lost 4-1 at home to Leicester. So, so again, one of those sides that can score. We saw it from the opening day against Liverpool, that Leeds can attack you and score goals, but they can't defend. And it just shows you the difference between the championship level of attackers and the premiership level. Because in the championship, like Leeds won the championship easily, you know. But in the Premiership, you can see a lot more goals because there's better attackers, more intelligent movement, and it's a tougher league. But to be fair, they're doing okay for them. I don't think, I don't think they're in danger of getting relegated at all. I think they've got enough. I mean, Patrick Bamford's learned how to score in the Premier League, so. Here's my take on it. Leeds are shit. They will capitulate. And I can see them getting relegated. Do you think that's cute that they can score goals, but again, if you can't defend and you get yes, to but... a level in a league where attackers are very are very good at what they do, and you start to play the bigger clubs and even clubs on that level, when you can't defend, you're going to get found out. But to be fair to Leeds, they've held Man City. And they lost by lost Liverpool because of a yeah. It's the same Leeds pe- too in the Championship that capitulated being in first a couple seasons in a row before they got promoted. I mean, just, yeah, they but, can't defend. Great teams have great players. It doesn't matter what they did they two, will, three seasons ago. They it doesn't will. matter. Well, this season they can't defend. There are going to be players that are going to completely yeah, but, obliterate. But you honestly think they're worse than West Brom or Fulham? They can't defend. All they have is Patrick Bamford. Is he going to yeah, defend but, too? Is he going to stop the goals from coming in? People are giving Leeds too much credit. They're in 15th, people. 15th is not that great. Yeah, but it's better than being in the bottom three. They'll be there soon enough. What, you really think they'll be worse than Fulham or West Brom? It's possible. When you yeah, can't defend good the players difference, and good teams, a difference. good teams Leeds will tear your defense asunder and expose it. Leeds is a ticking time. It's a matter of time before I sit here and I'm like, I told you so. They're not going to get relegated because they've got a quality coach. If they don't get relegated, they'll finish towards the bottom of the table. And great coach, we're talking about Bielsa. Ese come pinga is the only guy I know that didn't have locojones to stay at a club and resigned after like a day. Fuck out of here with that Bielsa bullshit. I don't buy that. Yeah, but the thing is they have over the bottom. Bielsa is going to get found out like everybody else. I'm, yeah, I but, was never a fan of Bielsa. Like, okay, El Loco, everybody praises him for supposedly being this tactical mastermind. Yeah, I don't buy it. And if anybody wants to argue, 
hit me hit us up on Twitter at on... as much as you don't like them, they're going to stay in the Premier League, and that's all they're going to focus on this season. They stay in the Premier League, then they get the money coming in to improve. Yeah, that's what it's they'll about. still be shit, and then eventually get fucking relegated, and then we won't see them for another 15, 16 fucking years. No, I think they can be in the Premier League for at least a couple of seasons. I reckon they will. Mm, we'll see. God I mean, bless that new, new centre-back, Robin Cock, he's not been great. Kind of lived up to his name, actually. But, you know, they've got the quality in that side. Like the likes of Calvin Phillips, Ailing, you know, Harrison, mm-hmm. Bamford. I mean, Rodrigo's not been great for 30 million quid. But they've got enough to stay up. And I know you hate them, but they're going to stay in the Premier League because they're better than the likes of West Brom, Fulham, possibly Burnley and Sheffield United at the moment. Because they've, I've, they've seen registered... crazy, I've seen crazy shit happen. Oh, of course. Anything can happen, but they've got three wins already. They've already won three games. That, they're being... That's cute that they're saying... They've taken, points in half the, they've taken points in half the games they've played. Teams that get relegated don't do that. But we're going to move on before this just becomes a Leeds United rant. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> up to 14th position is Manchester United. Uh. Um, they do have a game in hand, which is against Aston Villa, but... Well, we're Man United are playing right now. Um, yeah. They've won three, drawn one, and they've lost three, which leaves them on 10 points, but not the best start to the season. No. Their best result was a 4-1 win over Newcastle United. And their worst result was a 6-1 loss to Jose's um, Spurs. I think they just need to get some consistency in their back four. I mean... They spent forty million pound on Donny Van der Beek, who doesn't play, because I don't think Ollie wanted him. That was a Woodward signing. Ollie, I don't think Ollie wanted him. <laughs> Why would you need Van der Beek, Pogba, who doesn't even get in the squad that often, and Bruno Fernandes? Why do you need three cams, three first team cams? You don't need all three. Be advised, this could also be a rant. I mean, their CDM options: McTominay, Fred, and Matic. No thanks. They're all they're not great either. And you'll hear no. Man United fans raving about McTominay all day. He's not that great. Fred cost £60 million and he has done nothing, nothing to make me think, oh, he's worth £60 million. He's not worth six. Matic, Chelsea got £40 million for him and he's well past his best. So you think that's yeah. £100 million on holding midfielders that have done nothing. Then you think of £80 million on Maguire who's not great. Lindelof isn't great. Bailly's never fit. Obviously, they've got Telles to play at left-back, who I think will be a great signing for them, but he can't play at the moment because he's got coronavirus. Uh, their only good defender is Wan-Bissaka. <laughs> United. I mean, I'll give them this. On their day, they've got the, they've got the threat. They, they can threaten to attack people. They play very well against Everton. I'll give them that. Uh Bruno no, no draw against Chelsea. I think you know, both sides play for that, in all fairness. Both sides were playing for the draw and the clean sheet. But winning against Everton, I think that was a good result for them, especially after losing to Istanbul in the Champions League. But the winning against Everton, was they played very well. Bruno had a brilliant game. Well, I watched it from start to finish, but Bruno's not always going to deliver that sort of thing. Um. They can't rely on... Like, let's talk about relying on one player. Yes, they've got Rashford, Martial um, and Bruno, but if people work at... When people shut down Bruno, 
there's no service into the front players. Or I mean, if he's Oli- not, you know, flopping all over the place and diving. I mean, Oli no was using to be one. I mean, Mason Greenwoods is a good player, but I don't think he's quite there yet. And you can't use Juan Mata as a right winger. You just can't. Uh, he's not the player he used to be either. So that's why they needed Jaden Sancho, but they weren't willing to pay the money for him. Of you, course, Manchester got... United's broken from the top down, though. Yes, this, that's true. this goes deeper. This is what happens. Why this is why Americans can't have nothing nice. I can start with that rant. The Glazers don't really do dick for the club. They can't even do dick for the fucking club they have here, who signed fucking Tom Brady. But that's either here nor there. They can't run a club in their own country. They're trying to run run one of the biggest clubs, and God, it pains me to say that. In England and possibly world football, the coach doesn't have a clue. So sure that everything was all fine and dandy, and there was so much adulation for him after what he did with a couple seasons ago or a season ago against the PSG, and everybody thought that he was the answer, and then we see what's happened. He has no clue how to manage the squad, has no, ta- has no tactical identity to even give the something... Something to hold on to and an idea, excuse me, an idea of how to play this game. The inconsistency is astonishing because I don't remember in all my years of watching football, I can never remember United being this fucking, for lack of better terms, this roller coaster where you get shit like them beating quality sides and then you get shit like the Spuds match match where they lose by five goals. And then you get the crazy shit in Europe where Istanbul beat them. But they bad you can't have these weeks, this inconsistency. You can't have it. You can't Especially. be great one week and shit the other. And they beat I mean, Leipzig Chelsea is a Chelsea supporter. We've seen that show with our own club, by the way. I mean, they beat Leipzig 5-0. You're thinking, okay, stand up and take notice of that. But, and they beat PSG as well. So you're thinking, okay, they can beat top teams. And then they lose to Istanbul. And then they get battered 6-1 at home by Spurs. So, yeah, you can't win titles on inconsistency. No. Um, and you know what? Up. Inconsistency is most of the time, right? If this, this keeps going on, inconsistency is usually incipient of a coach eventually being sacked. And I think Ali needs to get the sack. I also just think the Glazers need to just give sell United to fucking people that know what they're doing. And Woodward do just needs to go fuck off somewhere. Uh, moving up to 13th now, uh, Newcastle. Yay. I think is they've had an average start to the season. They've got they've got eleven points, three wins, two draws, and three losses. Um, they've beaten Burnley three one at home and lost to Man United, which was their worst result. But I think they're whereabouts where they should be with the players they've got and the manager. I mean, that's nothing, fair. Nothing too remarkable about them this season, really. No, but I think Callum Wilson was a good signing for them. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, how much did they pay for it? I think it was about $15 million, wasn't it? I'm not 100% yeah. sure. I'm not 100% sure, but I want to say it was right around that number. Yeah, I mean, they've got Callum Wilson, Almiron, St. Maximin. They've got, they've got good attacking players. It's just about, I mean, Andy Carroll, they, they, they normally play Callum Wilson and Andy Carroll up front, but you know, that's kind of like a one-tool, one-fast, you know, old school. Newcastle's right around where they should be. I would actually like. I would actually thought they'd be a little bit higher, 
because of the the craziness that is the Premier League this season. But that thirteen sounds about right. Well, they after their takeover, Phil, so we obviously couldn't spend the money. They was all their fans were thinking they were getting Mbappe. You know, and that was never going to happen. But no, um, no, yeah, I think I they're, mean, doing, they're doing okay. Solid start. They they are, if they stay on course. I think they'll be fine. They might mess around. Maybe be 11. I can see them 11th, 11th or 12th-ish. Give or take. Yeah, it's possible. It's possible. Um, so moving on to West Ham, who have, have exactly the same points as in the same record with three wins, two draws, three losses, 11 points. Uh, West Ham are another one that, you know, the result that made you take notice was when they beat Wolves 4-0. I don't think anyone saw that coming. No, no. And then, of course, they lost 2-0 to Newcastle, so... At home. Yeah. I mean, I think West Ham right now have... Moyes is the best manager for them, but they have to just, they have to get their striker scoring. I know Haller's got five goals, but most of them have been in the Carabao Cup. Some, I've heard some people saying that the problem at West Ham is David Moyes. I don't concur. No, I don't think it is either. I think he's done a good job for them. I mean, he I, got them... I to, do, too. Just, they were 3-0 down against Spurs, and they came back to 3-3, so... That, that shit was crazy. That was a whole... That's got to be one of the games of the, of the season. That was mind-blowing. And the exactly. length of time that that happened for them to, to get that result. I think West Ham will be fine, floating around the... Floating with top 10, but possibly not quite getting in, in this season. No, they I still will, think they're they missing will pull it. off some upsets, too. They will... They will, they will do shit and beat big clubs at some point or take points off big clubs at some point because they do it every year. They're they've usually a pain in Chelsea's ass, too, speaking yeah. of Yeah, I mean, they've taken points off Man City this season and Tottenham. So they, that's, that's, I mean, that's all I got for West Ham. Yeah, so moving on to Arsenal, who have won four and lost four. Um, I think Arteta needs to sort something out and stop playing Aubameyang as a left winger because he's not getting the best out of him. It's yeah. a bit embarrassing when Kurt Zuma's got more Premier League goals than a striker in a Bamiyang of his class. I think that's a I think Ateta has Pep syndrome where he's just tinkering too much with personnel and formations. He doesn't have the the side doesn't have the talent that Manchester City has that affords you to do that all the time. And you shouldn't usually anyway tinker with that stuff too much to begin with. Bear in mind he's playing Lacazette off front, who I don't remember the last time he scored a Premier League goal. I don't either. It's I mean, a shame. They're, got, they, they are good players. They are quality players at Arsenal. I think about yeah, but if you want to win games, you put your best striker, someone who you know is a proven goal scorer. He has a fantastic record in the Premier League. And you put him out wide where he's further away from the goal, trying to make, use him as a playmaker, which isn't his game. No. It's his not. game is in the middle, scoring goals. I mean, their defence, I mean, the thing with Arsenal is they've been going on about how Chelsea gave them our best player in Willian. Apart from the first ever season, he's done nothing. No. Arsenal fans are starting to learn how consistently inconsistent Willian is. I mean, I don't trust Arsenal's defence either. I mean, David Luiz, Kieran Tierney, Cedric and Bellerin at right back. Leno, I'm not convinced by. I know Gabriel... Bellerin can't even be a viable fullback option because he, like Christian Pulisic, always has a damn boo-boo. I, I mean, Gabriel's when was the last time Bellerin actually played a full season? 
I don't know because I don't really follow Arsenal apart from when they're playing Chelsea. So, so I, that's my whole point, though. Even I, I don't care for Arsenal. Can tell you it, it's been a minute since Bellarin had a full season where he wasn't injured. It's kind of hard to set a back four when people are in and out of the lineup. Well, I'll say about Arsenal, so they have got some talent in uh, Maitland-Niles and Bakayo Saka. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. I mean, Bakayo Saka's a quality, so I think Arteta needs to just... I mean, Bakayo Saka can play anywhere, but he needs to get Aubameyang back up front scoring goals because he's a better okay. striker than Lacazette. So the issue with, I guess, with, with Arteta is I, he wants Lacazette and Aubameyang on the pitch at the same time. If you're Arteta, how do you make this happen so that Arsenal get better and these goals start to... Play a diamond in midfield. Or play a 4-1-2-1-2 with a left and right winger as Willian and Pepe. Um, have Xhaka as the holding midfielder and Ceballos as the creative number 10. Fair enough. I mean, they haven't got Ozil because they didn't register him. So, I mean, can, Willian can play Cam if he has to, but... He, if you think Willian on the left, Pepe on the right, you know, when Martinelli comes back, he's back in the fold for that. Uh, Bikayo Saka can play in the midfield. You've got Eddie Nketiah, who's a striker. Um, they've got options. It's just about finding the right system because Lacazette and Aubameyang work well up front together. But when you've got Lacazette shift, shipped out on the left wing, he's not going to get your goals. That's a shame, but we can head to um, Arteta's old stomping ground. Manchester City, who are sitting in 10th. Surprise, surprise. They've not had a great start either. I mean, they've won three games, which is fine, but three draws and a loss. Um, let's talk about their home defeat to Leicester when they lost 5-2. They, they just can't beat Leicester at the moment. I mean, if you think back to the last few seasons, Leicester caused them problems. Yeah. Leicester is their, uh, for as as the fig as it's said here in America, Leicester is Manchester City's monkey on their back. They and just got, have think, trouble with Leicester all the time. I think for Man City, you have to realize they've had Jesus and Aguero out injured, which is both their strikers. And of course, that losing those two players would affect any team if you had them. And of course, they've had their problems at def- in defense for the longest time now. My thing with Jesus is Jesus. He's not consistent either, though, Ash. I mean, he can score, no. but I mean, he's not consistent. That inconsistency hurts them, too. And I like the he's guy, not, okay? I he's not Sergio Aguero. He's yeah, not Sergio Aguero. What, what Sergio Aguero brings to, that, to, the, to the line, and leading that line is amazing. I mean, Sergio Aguero, he can ball. They're still missing a left-back as well, though. I mean, he's in, obviously, they're playing Chancello there, but he's a right-back by default. Um, but do you think they let Angelino go to Leipzig on loan? And the I would, performance I would have held on to him. Yeah, he's exactly Pep's type of left back. Yep. And the See, performances he is putting that don't in. Make no sense to me though. Angelino has fell out with Pep because Pep refused to admire, Pep refused to play him. And Angelino came out and said that he wants to play for a manager who believes in him. And Man, you can't I, fault the player for, for no for saying that. Man City had the perfect left back right there. And now Leipzig have an option to buy him at the end of the season, which I'm pretty sure they're going to take up. Because he's I was sco- just about to say that. He's a left-back and he's scoring for fun at the minute. He can take set pieces, he can cross, he can defend, he can score goals. <sighs> I, and, hmm. and then you think you've got Oliver, uh, Alexander Zinchenko and Benjamin Mendy. 
I mean, there's problems in the midfield too. I I feel. I don't feel like yeah, right. stable either at City. Well, Kevin De Bruyne is well, he's fine. He's brilliant, but he has shown some inconsistency, and I can't. Maybe it's just the condemned the con- all these um the inundation of fixtures that's causing him grief because when he has a bad day, City has a bad day. I think they've got too many attacking players. I mean, they've got Rodri and Fernandinho, but Fernandinho's getting up there in age now. No Vincent, no Vincent company anymore. No. I mean, Ruben Diaz, Laporte's their best defender by a country mile. But when you spend 60 million on Diaz and 100 million on, 40, sorry, 40 million on Ake, and you think how much money Pep has spent on defenders in the, since he's been at Man City, and they still can't get it right. I mean, even Edison's not doesn't look as stable as he did in his first couple of seasons. No. Man, I'm trying to decipher with Manchester City. Is it when I what I've said on numerous occasions? Could it be just Pep's voice? They're just done because it's you know it becomes redundant, and eventually players turn turn them off. Could I don't it be think that they done just with turned Pep. him off, and then that compounded with the injuries and the inconsistency? Is that why they find Pep. themselves in 10th now? I don't think it's Pep. I just think I just think they bought the wrong types of players and I haven't addressed. I think I, I don't I think it's Pep. Let me rephrase that. I think Pep has something to do with it. I'm not gonna fault him completely. Because before everybody starts talking shit, Manchester City supporters, I will tell you Pep is one of my favorite managers. Um but the thing with Pep is is that he's so fucking intense and so demanding that it will wear players down. And then when that happens, and I know from coaching, if I'm too harsh on a player, on my players, if I keep demanding the same thing in its intensity and it's just aggressive the entire time, eventually that wears players down. They just tune you the fuck out. They stop listening. And I think that's part of it. The other part is just the fact that they have this money to spend. Why don't they buy any defenders? For fuck's sake. Well, they have. They a spent proper really- defender. They spent hundreds of millions on defenders, but they've never addressed left back. What the fuck are they defending? <laughs> they need another holding midfielder. So what, they need what, another what holding midfielder. What are they doing, Ash? I don't know, but he's he's, he's trying oh. to replace company, and you can't replace you can't replace mentality. You're he right. Spend... I, I, you're right. You're, you're fucking right. I think no. I think I mean, Man City finished top four easily. Whether they win the title or not, I don't think so. But they I... finished top four. You think they'll finish top four? Yeah. I'm on the fence about that one. I, I don't know. Once they get Aguero back, then they'll start putting their chances away. Aguero mm-hmm. is such an intricate part of that whole attack. And he's just... It's not only the fact that man can score fucking goals. Like, his football IQ is, is amazing. He's got, well, he's probably the best foreign player to ever play in the Premier League. He, for my money, he is the best foreign player to ever play in the Premier League. But He's, he's certainly up there. It's just like you can't replace that either. Like, yes, he brings goals, but at the same time, you can't replace just the intelligence he has because when he is on the pitch, everybody around him that he that he is sharing that pitch with up front gets better. I swear, Jesus, when Aguero's in there, if he come if he comes in, he's somewhere on the wing, he plays better. Just whoever the hell is with Aguero on that line plays better. And then Aguero That's does it. Aguero things and scores fucking goals. But Man City, I still think they need a world-class left-back and they need another striker that can hit 10 goals a season. Pep, if you need, like, an emergency, emergency, fullback, I'm available. <laughs> I know you listen to this podcast. I'll give you my phone number right after. 
moving inside the top 10, uh, Wolverhampton, who I think have, they've also had an inconsistent start to the season. Yep. Uh, four wins, three losses and a draw. Um, Wolves, I think, were hurt by the end of hell last season where they just lost European football on the final day. Um, and obviously not having European football this season, I thought they'd flourish, but they've been a little bit inconsistent. I mean... Yeah. They've lost some key players too, which might be playing a role into that inconsistency. That is true. Obviously, Yotta and Doherty have both gone. Um, but they signed Daniel Poland. Well, sorry, they already had Daniel Poland. So. Who is their big money signing who they signed? I can't remember who it was. I can't. I'm not even going to lie. I don't even know. Nope. It's, it's completely blank. They signed somebody. Um, oh, Fabian Silva from Porto. That's who it was. Mm. But I don't think he's actually played because he's only 18, 19. Um, Wolves will stay up easily and they'll get top 10 easily, but they just need to stop throwing away yep. points. I mean, the 4-0 loss to West Ham was shocking. That was, Nobody... yeah. That shocking is being nice. See that coming. Shocking is being nice. Uh, there, Wolves were are a better side than West Ham. I still sit in here trying to figure that one out. How the fuck did 4-0 even happen? Uh, it's a crazy year for football. Because Nuno's teams are very good defending. He's, they're very good. When they have to defend, they're very good. And they're, they've become more of a... Against certain sides, they're more of a counterattacking team. But against a side like West Ham, which is, you know, I want to I say on the same level of opposition, but Wolves are a little bit better. That scoreline flatters West Ham. I just remember their other big signing as well. It's just come to me. Uh, Nelson Semedo from Barcelona. Ah. Yeah. I just can't. But- He's struggling in the Premier League. The Premier League, it's, it's hard to go to any league, but particularly the Premier League because the Premier League is a different animal with the way you things get are called, the physicality, the speed of the game. I mean, Semedo is not the best defensively. We saw that in his time at Barcelona. But getting forward, he can help. But in the Premier League, you need to have balanced fullbacks. You need to have something that can do both. Um. I mean, I'm sure Wolves will be fine. You know, they've got Jimenez, Traore, Neves, Pedro Neto, who's doing quite well. Traore. Ese hombre es un monstruo. That man's a beast, bro. <laughs> he's, he, needs add, he needs to add more goals to his game, though. He does, but he's just... I like him. He's a player. Yeah, but it's, 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 um, it's okay having speed and strength, but it's knowing how to use it. And then... Yep. You're fo- he has, his final ball has got better. Yeah, and that's all. That's all, Nuno. That's him putting in the work too. But that's also good coaching on Nuno's end. He still needs to find the back of the net more often because it's okay running down the wing for ninety minutes, but you need to do something with it. Well, even if you don't put the ball in the net, run down the wing for ninety minutes and try to open things up. Oh yeah, of course. That's what I'm saying. But you still need to put in the right cross Mm -hmm. and find the. It's okay throwing in twenty crosses a game, but if I don't reach anybody, what's the point? Yeah, that's that's what I noticed with him. Like. To your point, too, like goals got to go back in the net, and at the same time, like, okay, if you're not doing that and you're playing out wide, you should be getting crosses in, especially in that system where Nuno likes to, you know, push his wing backs to push up. I mean, maybe he just just needs to get a little bit more, um, needs to build more football acumen in that sense, as far as reading the game and doing things like that. Because I think sometimes he gets the ball at his feet and it's just go, go, go. And there's no there's no thought process. There's no 
pondering of where I do do I do I take this shot? Do I put this cross in? It's usually like you said, he just runs down the fucking wing for ninety minutes. It's got to be more than just running down the wing for ninety minutes. He's talented. He just needs to get that part of his game worked out. After April, I think a side that started very well was Crystal Palace. You know, you don't normally expect them to win the play the way they have. I mean. Four wins out of eight and, a, and four wins to draw and three losses. You know, out of eight, that's not a bad start for them, considering they've had seasons where they've not won in seven. Fucking so, Uncle Roy. The man's old enough to be my fucking grandfather. <laughs> they're doing okay. Um, Zahar seems to be back on form this season. Hey, given that this is Crystal Palace and they're in eighth, I think they're doing a little bit more than okay, because I didn't even fucking see them that high. It is early days, though, but, you know, the away I when it may... The away win at Manchester United is probably the highlight of their season so far. That's, um, I mean, and we haven't seen them do that prior seasons. I mean, they're starting to try to play with the big boys, although their worst result came to, of course, Chelsea, speaking of big boys. But Palace, they, they look better than I think most people thought they would look. They've got a solid side. I mean, they've got a good, they've got a good goalkeeper in Victor Guaita. Uh Obviously, they've got the experience of Gary Cahill, maybe not playing yeah. at the minute, but they've got the leadership he's got. Uh, they've got they've got some attacking talent as well in the likes of Zaha Eze, uh, Batshuayi when he decides to find the back of the net. Um, Batshuayi, who's a very... <laughs> hit and miss striker, I'd say. Yeah, he's a very contentious figure, depending who you're talking to. They've got Ayu as well, Townsend. Ayu! Got... I just... Yeah. I quite like that name, Ayu. Yeah, they've got... Um, Milivojevic and MacArthur, McCarthy in midfield. So they've got they got Palace a nice balance. Right. Yeah, Palace have finished mid-table. It least. also helps that they play at Selmhurst Park because with no supporters in the stands, or with supporters in the stands, I hear that is probably one of the worst bloody places to try to even fucking play. Yeah. So but... there's there's that home there's that home pitch advantage, if you will, still. It's just a tough place to go play because of the location and stuff. But Uncle Un- Uncle Roy, man. Uncle Roy's doing good things, and I think we need to give Uncle Roy a little bit more credit than he gets. Yeah. He's done really well. He's done really good since he actually got to Palace, to be fair. He has. They were shit. And, you know, he did the, he, he did, you know, he did the Hodgson thing. Hodgson thing where he pulls them out of the debts of fucking relegation, scrapping and battling and keeps them up. But I, there has been steady, steadily, excuse me, there has been steady improvement since he's been at the club. Yeah, and they've got decent defense as well. I mean, the They'll concede goals, of course, but they will. Enough, but they have some idea of how to defend because when they do have to dig in, that's they have no problem digging in. Well, they beat Leeds four um, one at the weekend, but I put. Yeah, but I still think beat. beating Man United away from home is a better result. Mm. Watching Leeds was beautiful, though. Watching them beat Leeds was <laughs> was beautiful. Um, up to seventh place is the Everton, who have. Well, they started off like a runaway train and they've just kind of come crashing back to earth in the last few games. Yeah. Hey, you want to know something? We Sorry. don't know shit because we both said James Rodriguez was going to struggle. Well, he struggled the last few games in all fairness. Yeah, but he started, we, we said he would initially to start, he would struggle. Yeah. and um, He's done very well. He's pretty good. So, I mean... Yeah, we were kind of wrong there. James just, you know... I didn't Edison. see that shit coming. Everton need to pick themselves up because they won the first four games. It was like, oh, we're flying high. Drew to Liverpool, mm-hmm. which is a well, they got lucky in that game. They didn't. To be a point. fair, though, to be fair, that draw against Liverpool is still in their minds a big result. Oh yeah, but what about the three the three losses since then? 
I mean, three oh, consecutive losses in the Premier League. It's not what you want to be on the end of. No. But, I mean, they're they're in a better spot than I think anybody would have thought. I wouldn't think they'd be in seventh to this point. I mean, I think that's expected for them with the players they've got and the manager, but they shouldn't have been... Yeah. But the teams they've lost to, they shouldn't be losing three in a row. And I their mean, worst result was, what, the loss at, at, uh, the loss at home to um, Manchester United? Mainly because those goals were avoidable. Um, I watched that game, and the way Bruno got both his goals was just so easy for him. I mean, no discredit to Bruno. They were well-taken goals. They were very well-taken goals, but Everton made it easy. Mm. They went 1-0 up and then completely capitulated. Calvert-Lewin's been playing some brilliant football. 11 goals in all competitions, yep. Because they're finally using him how they're supposed to, and they've got Hammers is getting the service into him. Yep. Credit credit that gentleman on the sidelines with one of the greatest facial expressions ever, Mr. Carlo Ancelotti. Legendary eyebrows, by the way, people. Everton will be okay. They just need to get their form back and they need to work on the defense. I mean, we said it, I said it for something season. Their defense will be why they don't achieve yep. anything this season. It's exactly that. That's they, that's just if they get that worked out. They haven't got the they haven't got the players to work it out at the minute. If, if center- they get it worked out, though, I th- I think they can finish fifth or sixth. They've got Pickford in goal. They're not going anywhere. Hey, that's a good point. <laughs> I'm sorry, but... England's, England's number one, apparently. Well, that's a crazy. conversation for a whole nother day. Okay, I think surprise of the season now, or definitely one of them, up in sixth position with a gaming hand as well, uh-huh. which if they win, they can go joint top. Aston Villa. <sighs> Well, they're doing a lot better than I thought. I mean, the standout fixture, the standout was probably when they beat Liverpool 7 2 at Villa Park. Oh, that was. I almost went to church the next day. (laughs) And I don't ever go to motherfucking church. The thing with Villa is they look so much more defensively solid this season. And Grealish has been playing fantastically. Ross Barkley's made a huge impact. Ollie Watkins is scoring goals. They've got Burton Traore, Trezeguet, John McGinn. You know, they've got a very good side there. Obviously, Tyrone Mings and Ezri Contra at centre-back are doing very well. I mean, Emmy Martinez in goal. I mean, he called Aston Villa a step up on Arsenal, so... Yeah, their worst result coming, though... Their worst result was a nil-three loss to um to Leicester at home. It's crazy. You, you put a five... You put a seven goals up and put a drubbing on Liverpool 7-2, but then you go and you lose to Leicester, and you don't score nothing. Leicester are a good side, though. That's, but that's crazy. They beat a better team in Liverpool and lost to, to a lesser team in Leicester. That's and Leicester in the sense that Leicester aren't as good as Liverpool. God, forgive me. I'm going to hell for saying that. Le- Liverpool being a, be- Ooh, that hurt. being a better team than Leicester. I mean, it's true, though, in all honesty. But Liverpool got everything wrong on the day. They just got everything wrong and played into Villa's hands. Whereas Leicester, a little bit more streetwise, you know, they defend a bit better, they play as a unit. Whereas Liverpool, you all know if you attack down the right-hand side, you can get at them. I think it's a big credit, too, to, to, Villa's, um, to Villa's management, the coaching staff, Dean Smith, some guy, I don't know, his name's John Terry, he was kind of a big deal at one point. They've done very well, especially with they've Villa done very well season. with that group of players and and getting them to where they want to be and where they should be because Villa's not a small club. 
kept hold of Grealish as well. Yeah, I'll give Grealish credit. I mean, I still don't like his mini shin pads, but I gotta give him his credit. He's been brilliant this season. Grealish, get bigger shin pads, man. Get go go get some proper ones. I think that was probably their best in the best business they did all summer, keeping hold of him because, you know, Man United were interested, rumored, and Man United can really benefit from him right now. Man United can benefit from anybody. Um, up to our favorite team, Chelsea. Yeah. Uh, four wins, three draws, and a loss. Um, the only loss we've had in you know, quite a long time, actually. We've not, we haven't lost too many games of late. Obviously, the game we did lose was a 2 0 home defeat to Liverpool when we had 10 men because Andreas Christensen decided he wanted to be a rugby player. But he's now that, yeah, but now that Mendy and Thiago Silva are fully in, integrated, I mean, you've got Ben Chilwell, uh, James on the right, Kurt Zuma as well in the middle. We look like such a much better unit. I love you, Chilibi. <laughs> I mean, Leicester fans were laughing at us. We're paying £45 million. Pound. We got him for a steal. That was a bargain. Shit. I love you, him. You look at all the players we've brought. None of them have played badly. Not one. No. Not one. Even Chiago. Chiago had... He had a little bit of an issue against West Brom. And then bounced an back yeah. nicely. And I... I I will one admit that I was concerned with Chiago's age because he's got he's like two years older than me, and um, but then I got to see him play, and I'm ooh, his football acumen, the way he reads the game, gets into position, organizes the the back line, and he's gotten smarter, and knows when he's got to actually you know fucking run to defend, which he does well. I think having him back there made a big difference, and I was a fucking idiot for thinking otherwise. You think about Eduard Mendy as well, who has come in and revolutionized that position for us. I mean, you look at Kepa, who is scared to come off his line and yeah. be the weakest, weakest wrist in the Premier League. Mundy, and, Mundy doesn't do scared. Well, apart from a man United when he always put the boy in his own net. But, <laughs> I mean, but shit, shit's going to happen. Oh, yeah. But with Mendy, you just, whenever they put a cross in, he's out there coming for it. He knows where he's supposed to be. He's not scared to, his goal position no, is fantastic. He's not. When that ball's in the air, he's he knows he does it so much better because Kepa never commanded his line. So no. Edward will Mundi, Mundi takes responsibility of that area and does what a goalkeeper's supposed to do. You're supposed to be the boss. And that's what you need. You need in instances with um set pieces where Kepa was torrid. But we I've seen improvement there just with Mundi being back there, being confident enough, knowing that he has to be intrepid to be able to command his area and make saves. He's coming out, he's grabbing balls out of the air, he's starting counterattacks, he's, he's decent with his feet, his hands are like ginormous. I don't even know if that's a word. And we but, haven't even gotten onto the likes of Ziyech, Werner. Bloody just, hell. Um, Havertz, who I think does have the shit out of Hakeem, Zay- Hakeem Zayek's face. Fucking love that left boot is. I mean, you've got Werner who's started like a house on fire. Kite Havertz, who's not getting credit for the stuff he has done because when he was playing, he's starting to, obviously, before he got coronavirus, he was starting to really dictate the tempo in the midfield. And when can I think Frank Lampard's got it right now with Kante as the holding and then two number eights in Mount, who yep. you know attract back. Two attacking and then, eights. And then have, well, Mount, I'd say, is more be the balance role because he gets back and helps. So that's what Mount does. Then you've got Havertz in kind of a free role in the midfield to go and help the attack. That's what and he, when you've got, where he needs to be. 
I don't care if anyone's going to get upset by this, but Ben Chilwell and Reese James are the best two fullbacks in the Premier League right now. At this given moment, they are the best two in the league. I, I like Chili B. I, I think I may have a man crush, actually. <laughs> I mean, he's got three assists and two goals already this season. Fuck, he, and he can defend, too. I mean, there are moments where he makes little, just minuscule little errors defending and positioning and getting back. But so at, least he, at least he's not alone, though. He's recovering. It's all that matters. That can be worked on. That's training ground stuff that can be worked on. But what he offers is all-around game, both of them. Reese James. Reese James is... Bruh. Reese James is a grown-ass man. <laughs> Reese James is a... He's like a certified what I call manimal. Like, you're not, that, you're not getting past him, bro. Like, you over here, and you're going to tell me that you, you're going to try to get past... This kid can defend. He can attack. He's balanced. He's fucking intelligent. Like, what else do you want from this guy? Like, Reese James does it all. And, and Ben Chilwell is a proven winner because he was he in that side? Because I'm not sure. Was he in that Leicester side that won the title? I think he was in the youth side at the time. I'm not 100% sure. But I don't think he was in the main squad. It was Christian Fuchs at left back. It was Christian Fuchs. Okay. But I mean, Ben Chilwell, the same thing. I mean, there are little things to his game that he's got to improve. You understand? But everybody's got that though. He's 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 also very his crosses like they they're pinpoint. And the thing is, if you look at all the players we've signed, they want to be here. They want to fight for each other. They want to be in the team. And they it's do. brought out the best in everybody else because Thiago Silva's brought out the best in Zuma. Timo Werner's brought out the best in Tammy Abraham. Hakim mm-hmm. Ziyech could Hakim Ziyech could probably play a fifty yard pass blindfolded. I got worried. I got I got thoughts with with Abraham though. I got thoughts. I got thoughts. But first, I want to talk about Hakim Ziyech. Ziyech, excuse me. I, I I like him. He was a bargain. He was a he, is, he offers the midfield something we haven't had in a long time. Somebody with unmitigated goal to make something happen every time the ball's at his feet. And he seems to understand the movement of everybody up front. Um, the combination play has been beautiful. I, was watching, longer, I think the last time they were playing, it was on NBCSN, and I forget it was that dickhead that nobody cares about, Lee Irrelevant Fuckhead, pontificating about, well, Ziyech has to stop being so, I guess, bold and stop trying to play the big pass. I'm sorry, what the fuck does he know about anything? He said he's going to keep trying those passes because that's his game. If you don't make the passes, you're never going to get the ball in behind. That's exactly my point. So I know Lee Dixon's a fucking idiot. We know that. That's a given. If you're in the United States and you watch it, you know Lee Dixon's a fucking retard. Fucking fucktard. My whole thing. But we needed that, though, because there were instances in previous seasons where we weren't as intrepid going forward. It helps he's left-footed as well. We haven't had a left-footed attacker in a long time. But what also helps too is that you can see the combination play, and there's even it looks like it looks like total football in a sense because you can see a lot of interchanging of positions going forward too, depending on where he's got the ball. To be fair, Chelsea have always had that interchanging position. When it was Mata, Hazard, Bullian, even Oscar, they all all three of them just used to change, even with Pedro. But having Ziyech, yeah, having we haven't had that for a while. And for the for the people out there, if you, if if you know football, that's a little thing called total football that was invented in Hungary but made popular by the Dutch, i.e. Johan Cruyff, and you'll see some of it in Guardiola's style of playing. 
there's there's your you're now 10 percent smarter than you were when you started listening to this podcast you're welcome and everyone that wanted Lampard out, I think he's finally found the balance now. I mean, yes, I'll be honest, I think we're still short of a world-class centre-back and possibly a physically imposing holding midfielder, mm-hmm. but <clears throat> we can pick those up. Yeah, a lot of people are beating the table for Declan Rice, but what happens to N'Golo Kante if Declan Rice comes in? I'm thinking like more for the future, because obviously Kante he is getting up there and he's had his fair share of injuries last couple of years. He's looked, he's looked good this season, I'll be honest with that, but you st- you are going to want a younger player in there or someone to rotate with, because yeah. if you're playing a better side, let's say we play Bayern Munich, it wouldn't hurt to have two of the both of them in there, just to give yourself more security. Because you so can't what, think what you- formation are you playing? I have to accommodate the two of them playing. Four two three one. Have the two holding that the front four uh, do the attacking. Double pivot. Yeah, but if you've got the players that can do it, obviously we don't have we don't have a physically imposing CDM. We don't have that. And I think that at times this season, it could cost us. Especially when teams play with big, bulky strikers. And, the, you know, you can back, they back into Jorginho or that's, that sort of thing. But I think we're missing a world-class centre-back in our physically imposing CDM. And that's what I think we're missing right now. Um, so that, that's, that's going to be it for our, our beloved Blues. Up um, to top four now. Southampton. Mother. <laughs> Mother of fuck, Ralph Hasenhutl. Let's go back to that 9-0 loss against Leicester and the shape they were in back then and how far Hasenhutl and that club have come since then because he has worked wonders at that club and he doesn't get half the credit he deserves. No, he deserves a lot of credit. I don't understand why he doesn't get the credit he deserves. He, As far as I'm concerned, he can manage his dick off. He deserves... No, there's no disrespect to Southampton, but he deserves a bigger job. He does. And I think he'd be he'd be good at a bigger club too. Do you think he could get United out of the situation they're in? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I don't know. I don't because United is so there's layers to that. There's levels to the the fuckery that's going on at Manchester United right now. Let's just stay with Southampton then. Um, that's just too much fuckery to it, no. It's, it's too much. But if if Let's say Manchester United got their shit together from the top down. Then I think he could do something. Not they in the sh- state they're in with the idiots that they got running that club. If they had their shit together, Ollie wouldn't even be manager. No, he wouldn't. Let's get back to Southampton. Um, Trey Adams has started scoring goals for them. Obviously, Danny Ings is injured. You think Ward Prowse is stepping up. Vestergaard's been good this season. That, that uh, was one of your concerns when we did the uh, the prediction, the prediction pod. You were wondering where them goals were going to come from. If Danny Ings got injured. Yeah. Well, Chai Adams has stepped up. Uh, Ward Prowse has got quite a few goals this season already. Um, obviously, Nathan Redmond gets goals. Uh, Vestergaard's put in quite a few as well from centre-back, so it's always good to have options. But he's got them playing like a well-oiled machine right now. They are playing very well. And I think as long as they can keep their structure and just go about the business they're going about, they'll be fine. Maybe knocking on the door of Europa League football next season. I was just about to ask you that. Do you think they actually fuck around and end up in the Champions League? Or do you think it's just going to be more of a battle for a Europa League spot? Personally, I think at the moment, they're probably going to finish ninth or eighth and just miss out on European football. Oof. Harsh. That's my honest opinion. I mean... 
I think every team, I mean, that sort of team, they can go on a run through a season where they just don't pick up any points or they get a couple of points here and there. And I think that can happen to any side. And they've had a great start, let's not lie. But I think there will come a time when they lose a couple of games and it'll be them where they'll be tested to see how they bounce back. Because the one thing I'm not convinced by in that team is their goalkeeper. I could see that. But um, they're doing well at the minute. All credit to Hasn Hootle and the players, and hopefully they can continue doing well because there's a good group of players there. We'll move on now to Liverpool. Yeah. Um, they're not doing terribly this season. I think, to be fair, they're actually doing okay considering the injuries they've had. Um, they've won five games out of eight, which is never a bad thing. Uh, you know, two, um, Two draws and only one loss. And as much as I don't like the club at all, you have to admire how they bounced back from that 7-2 loss and haven't really let it affect them too much. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they beat Arsenal 3-1. Obviously, they lost to Villa, which is thing. But I think with all the injuries they've got now, this will be the real test for them because obviously Gomez is out for a few months. Fabinho is out for a few months. Van Dijk's probably... Van Dijk could be lucky to play again this season. Uh, or at least back, get back up to full speed. Um, Trent's injured. Salah's just been diagnosed with coronavirus, so could be a tough time for Liverpool. But you know that they've got the squad in. They've got the depth in their squad to make things happen, and they've got they've got a winning spirit. You know they've got the mentality to go and win games one 0 and dig in. Doesn't matter how you win, but I think. It's tough to predict who can win the Premier League this season. It really is. But they've had a decent start. Not as good as last season, obviously, but they'll be it. They'll be up and around there. They will, but we'll see how good of a manager Jurgen Klopp is now that his back's up against the wall. Yeah. With all these injuries and how is he going to um how is he going to tread? Um, up to Spurs now, who I think have been, I hate to say it, but they've been really good this season. They've been fantastic. They've not lost since the opening day of the season. They have looked brilliant. I mean, you couldn't even tell that to Jose Manage's side because they're like scoring goals. Harry Kane's got eight goals and nine assists this season. And I still can't understand shit he'd be saying when he'd be talking. I know, but but he's, not- he's brilliant. I'm very surprised he's not got a move to a bigger club because I can't, I know Mourinho's there. Mourinho's a quality manager and he's got this Spurs side balanced perfectly. Mourinho's not a quality manager. He's a legend. Well, fair enough. But you know what? You know what I'm saying. But yeah, yeah. But, well, you know me. This... I mean, I, I love Jose. I don't like him when he's managing rival clubs. But as, as a manager, I, I, I love the little Portuguese fucker. He's got the side set up perfectly. To get Bale in on loan as well to have Son, Kane and Bale up front. That's just incredible. Um, the defense isn't too bad. Either. Even Bale at his age, though, and his injury history, you still think that's impressive to have him up there? Only alone. I mean, Bale on his days world class. I'm not a big. I'm not big on Bale, so I'm going to catch a lot of shit. Um, I've never been big on Gareth Bale. I've always thought he was world class. I just think he's been treated like shit by Zidane. Obviously, he's had his injury problems, but when he first joined Real Madrid, he made them so much better than what they already were. I'm not going to contest that because the way Real, the way um, Real Madrid did t- treat him was that's that's inexcusable. That's that's quite puerile, is what that is. Especially Zidane, you a grown man, and that's how you you opt to treat a player. Like, come on, man. But anyway, no, Bale. 
Bale's another one. I call him Gareth Boo Boo. I mean, he doesn't have a boo boo. He's great. His his injury history is immense. Like it's gargantuan. And at some point, are you nervous and thinking to yourself, is he going to get hurt at some point? No, it's always going to be in the back of Spurs fans. I mean, for me, I'm not too nervous about it because I'm not a Spurs fan. I mean, no, I mean, I don't give a shit. But for Spurs fans, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's going to be that ink. At where, what like, point do you sit there and you're like, well, let's hope he stays fit. Because when he's fit, he's good. My, my knock on is that the injury history is so extensive that at, at what point do we see this great Gareth Bell? Do we only get a great Gareth Bell when he's fit? And then it's is it the same cycle, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I that's mean, why I don't think he's world class. I think he's a great footballer. I just don't put him in the world class. And again, if you want to argue Bale with doesn't... me, find me on Twitter. I think even if Bell doesn't play, they've still got players like Lucas Moura or Stephen Bergwijn. But when you've got the form that Harry Kane and Human Son are in and the, the way they're mm-hmm. playing together, you're not going to miss Bale too much at the moment. Hung Ming Son is... He's Son, is one of the, Son is one of the best players in the Premier League. That's, and, that's you know, fact. Tottenham, Tottenham are lucky to have him and Kane. They are lucky. Because there are a host of better clubs that, that both of them could be at winning trophies. And I don't yeah. know how much longer Spurs will have them both for. I was just about to ask you that. How much longer do they put up with this, though? I think the shift for Kane might have sailed. Do you think so? I mean, Real Madrid really wanted him. They would have bought him by now. Same with Barcelona. Good both point. of them could use him. Because he fits the profile of both clubs. And even Man United could have bought him. But maybe Man City going for him when Aguero's gone. It's... Mm. I, think, I think if Harry Kane really wanted to move, he can get one. It just depends what club would need him. But surely he's going to want to win a trophy. Surely I mean, he has that hunger. That's the whole point, right, of playing football. Get paid and win trophies. I think it just depends if he has the hunger to go and play for a big club. Because no disrespect to Spurs. They're a, they're a decent side, yeah. But they're not a top, they're not top a club. club. Yeah, no. they're not a big club. Jose is a, uh, Jose is a legend. Jose is a legend. It's a bit like Ancelotti at Everton. Yeah, exactly. That's what this reminds me of. Like, it... I still don't make any sense of why Jose even joined Spuds to begin with, why he even got appointed, why he even accepted the appointment. I don't think, and I love this man as a manager, and he's been always one of my, um, a manager I've admired, but I don't think he's going to do shit at Spurs. Don't think could, you I don't. don't. Think they could, you don't think they could win the League Cup this season? No. I think they've got a good chance of winning the League Cup in all honesty. I, I, I don't, because some, somehow they'll capitulate. And I don't think it's a Jose thing. The mentality there amongst those players, I think that's, that's, that's what it is. Well, he was saying when they lost to Antwerp in the Europa League that he knows why he doesn't pick certain players. So I think he's got a bit of a problem there. Because he, was, he said this is why certain players don't play. So I think the first team looks good on paper, but then you have to think about the other players that have to come in for rotation, which is when they could drop points. And how much money do you think Daniel Levy, who pinches pennies, is going to want to keep spending to get Jose what he needs? They can't afford to spend in the current climate. That's exactly my whole point. Everywhere Jose's been, money's been involved. I mean, the thing is, he wasn't given the players he wanted at Man United. He wanted Maguire before Oli got him. Mm Mm-hmm. Maguire's been quite shit, but that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, that's not the point, though. I mean, the thing that, you know, we've seen it with clubs before where Arsene Wenger was probably never backed fully at Arsenal. He never got the players he wanted. 
um, numerous Antonio Conte in his second season at Chelsea didn't get the players he wanted. No, but now you look at Frank Lampard. He hasn't. Frank Lampard and Marina haven't settled for second best. I mean, there was talk of Tellez or Regulon at Chelsea. No, Lampard wanted Chilwell. He got Chilwell. Um, you know, Petacek wanted M- Mendy. Petacek got Mendy. So the alignment that it's all about the how the board and the sporting director and the manager all all connect together. And if there's a discord, then you're never going to get anywhere. Which is what we have at Spurs, but enough of them. We can move on now to um, the, the team sitting in first. Uh, Leicester. Um, Leicester City. Six wins, out, six wins out of eight. They have lost twice, but everyone in the league's lost at this point already. Um, yeah. Standout result was beating Man City 5-2 at the Etihad. Shocking. I don't think it was that shocking, to be fair. I, I mean, Leicester, Leicester usually do Man City over once, at least I once a season. Doing Man City like that, though. It's not the at first time. A couple of seasons ago, they beat, I think it might have been last season, but they beat them 4-1 at the Etihad. So, yeah, and I believe they beat them 3-0 there during the title-winning season. Yeah, and then the, But then they go and they lose to West Ham 0-3. West Ham have picked up some big results this season. <laughs> it is a crazy season. You have to think that Leicester is still missing Ricardo Pereira and Wilfred Ndidi, so they can get better. And their top score is no surprise. Let's have a party, everybody. Jamie Vardy. With His story is phenomenal. His I, story is phenomenal. From it, playing non-league. Fleetwood Town to Leicester, and, and he won a title. And a golden, he's got a golden boot as well. And he's got a golden Nice job. He's got a golden boot. It's... It's, it's a shame to think of the journey Jamie Vardy's been on. Thing is, I'm surprised that he didn't go to a bigger club. I mean, I fully respect him for staying at Leicester, but there they could a bit. I think Arsenal were interested in him, and he could have been brilliant at Arsenal. To be fair to him, he's the sort of striker they need. But Leicester, the team is built to to feed Jamie Vardy. Yeah, the whole side is built around him. It's predicated to you, his strengths. Say what you want about Brendan Rodgers; he's a fantastic manager. I can't stand him. And I'll argue that he's not a great manager, but thats I'm not even going to get into that debate right now. I can do a whole podcast on that. I make no secret, Brendan Rodgers does not amuse me. He's not going to win a title at Leicester, and he's overhyped. I mean, if he was such a great manager, he would have taken Liverpool to a title when he that was Liverpool, there. That Liverpool side weren't great. I mean, they yeah, had the, the players... The still get him over the line. Yeah, but you think about Gerard slipping and losing it, three, losing, uh, throwing the 3-0 lead at Crystal Palace... This There's only so much a manager. The manager had no control over the Gerard slip. Fondest memories is the slip. I know, but you have to think the manager has no control over that. He doesn't, but he has control over getting the side back up on their feet. I mean, I still think he's a quality manager. He doesn't get the credit he deserves. I will, I will, I will concur. To not even, I will concur. My, just I have a different opinion. And people well, are going to listen to this podcast and give me shit. And, you know, at on the pitch pod one on Twitter, if you want to start some shit. Well, we never agree, Dave. So that's, that's what makes the podcast. I mean, if people just, you know, anyway. Yeah. Who's, um, before you, uh, before we finish off, who's been your signing of the season so far? My son. Ooh, that's a good one. I, do I want to do this? <laughs> I want to say I want to do this unbiasedly. So I'm going to think about it because, you know, my, my Chelsea bias, I, I, you know, yeah. My Chelsea bias would say Thiago Silva just because he was free and the calming presence he's brought to the back line. 
I mean, it's hard to look past Chelsea when the players we've got for the money we've got them for. I mean, nobody else really made any big moves in the transfer market. But my biggest side, I don't know. I, that's I would have to think about that because I couldn't honestly fathom one right now for you. For me, it's Mendy yeah. or Thiago Silva. And I'm trying to do it from a because I know you're always going to be the biased one. So I was trying to do it from an objective point of view. Well, yeah, so was I. I can't do that. I was trying to be objective in the realms that like who have Man City bought? Ake, Diaz, and Torres. They haven't really. I mean, Ake is on the bench most games. They played yeah, Diaz. That, that 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 don't make no sense. That one there, man. And then you've got Liverpool bought Yota, who's doing quite well in the Champions League. Uh, Smithcast hasn't played. Jota, um, wait, Jota. Jota is, I don't understand that signing either because I don't think he's going to play often. Like you said, when he plays in the Champions League, where else, when everybody's fit, where else do you stick Diego Jota? I play him up front because he's better than bloody Firmino. Actually, it's Diego Jota, I believe is how it's said. Yes, yeah. Diego. I think yeah. he, if you put Marnie at centre-fourth for Liverpool and put Jota on the left or put Jota through the middle, because he's, he's going to get you more goals than Firmino. I, I, I don't know. That That's also another good conversation with, if we were to break these teams down, the whole Firmino, like, where, where, where does he go from here? But anyway, I digress. Um, I don't have an answer for you on that one. I don't know what the signing of the season is. But, Pep, I told you earlier, though, you could call me and I could be that signing of the season. I'm going to say Thiago Silva. That's from that's me being completely honest and trying to be non-biased, but the effect he's had on Chelsea's defence and the way that he's, you know, the clean sheets have started racking up and just his organisation and his leadership it has made us hard to score against so your final answer is Thiago Silva Thiago Silva with Eduard Mendy a close second two guys on the same team that happen to be your favorite team I'm being honest like (laughs) I can't I mean Regulon's been okay for Spurs I suppose um Leicester didn't really sign anyone massive uh Arsenal signed Gabriel Magalhaes however you pronounce his name he's been pretty good we will come back and revisit this conversation, though, because there will be a winter transfer window. And we'll see what happens in that transfer window. But I think that's um, all for today. That is correct. Well, then, everybody. We appreciate you for listening. And you can reach us if you'd like to interact or argue with me. You can find us on Twitter, which I've probably mentioned by now, at onthepitchpod1. You can also email us at onthepitchpod at outlook.com. Ash, have you got anything? Uh, no, I think you've covered it all. All right, then, everybody. Wherever you are in the world, we wish you a good morning, a good afternoon, or a good night. Till next time, be safe, everybody. Don't do drugs. <laughs>